May the peace of God be with you all. Oh, thank you so much. Peace is something that a whole lot of people are having a lot of trouble finding these days. Uh, just this week, I, I, got some, I got an email from Scott Ward, and he sent me some stats. Uh, can we put those up on the screen? Take a look at this. This past June, sales of books related to anxiety were up over 25% over last year. Now, if they were to take that same uh, study right now after we bought all those books for this series, it'd be up even higher, right? And look at that, sales of books related to happiness and how to find that elusive feeling these days. Climbed by how much? 83%. Are people looking for peace? Are people looking for happiness? Yes, they are. They are absolutely looking for those things. Well, four weeks ago, we began pressing into the topic of anxiety. And if you're looking for some great resources, we've got four books right here that I've heard a whole lot of you guys have already picked up. Four great resources we encourage you to check out. They're very, very helpful. Each one of these can help you experience more peace. You know, and they come from a slightly different perspective. These books testify that more peace, more happiness are possible. And you know what else testifies to the fact that more peace and more happiness are possible? You do. Because you've been sending in your stories throughout this series. And you've been sharing how you were in places, many of you, where you once thought there was no hope. And you were able to, to access things that help bring a little bit more hope and a little bit more peace and a little bit more happiness. We knew when we put the series on the calendar that there was a real need. What we're discovering as the series continues on is that this room is filled with people who are experiencing more peace and more happiness and more hope than they thought was possible. You know, I think of the teen who shared about a painful and terrifying season. And now her mom's sharing that, that, that sparkling and energetic personality that she once had, it's coming back. And a retired woman experienced how she was experiencing dehabilitating panic, panic attacks 20 years ago. And how she was barely even able to make it through the day. And now the Lord was able to help um, restore her in a way where she was able to serve at a counseling clinic and help others who were struggling. And last week, I spent time with a veteran who was in almost daily firefights in Afghanistan. And he knows what it's like to put body parts in body bags. You talk about trauma. And he was able to express how with the help of, of these people in his life, he was able to, to process that trauma in different ways. And he's also discovering language and practices about boundaries that are helping him navigate relationships in healthier ways than ever before. Well, earlier in the season, in fact, I think it was probably week one, I, I shared a little bit about a, a season in my life that was really, really tough that happened about two years ago. And I can thank God for that season now because we are in a healthier place than we've ever been. But at the time, that oh, was rough. And I've identified now in the years that followed, I've identified 30 different factors that all came together for this perfect storm that made for the most challenging season that I've ever been through. 
It was complex and the stakes were high. And I experienced one of those prolonged periods that many of you can relate to, those prolonged periods where the God-given systems that are designed to help us respond to an immediate threat, they wouldn't shut off. They wouldn't shut off. I was getting two to three hours of sleep. I lost 14 pounds in two weeks. And I realized I was going to be in real trouble if I couldn't activate that off switch. Well, there's a lot of things that I did during that season. And one of them I I brought with me. I brought this this stack of cards. The stack of cards started with one card. And and, and I would write down different things that I wanted to remind myself of each day. And in this stack of cards, I I would start to write down promises of God. I would start to write down things that were true. I started to write down key reminders of things like the call that God had placed on my life and that this church was his idea and how important it is to live well and to love well and to lead well. And I would read through these cards almost every morning and almost every night. And the card stack kept getting thicker and thicker. Well, there's one card, the one I put up here in the front. No magic tricks today. Here, pick a card, any card. In fact, I'm not going to show you these cards, except for I'll tell you about one. But I'm going to set it right over here, and I'll come back to it. I want to tell you about one card in particular that was very, very, very helpful. But before I get to that card, I want to tell you about two new cards that I've added during this series. And right now, I'm not looking at the other stack. There's two cards that I'm trying to read every night and every day. And so to remind me to pick them up, most mornings, I start with a reading from my Bible. And so I keep the page where I'm at. I I keep one of those cards right here so I can read it each day. And then there's a, a book that I've been using most nights to try to pray for my family. And so I put the card there on the page that I'm at to remind me to read through this card. And these cards, I try to read it through three times in the morning. I try to read it through at least three times at night. And the card contains the words to the scripture that we're working our way through in this series. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't considered trying to commit this, this passage to memory or even reflect on it throughout the series, I want to encourage you to do that because there is great power in internalizing God's word and thinking about it and reflecting on it each day. The passage, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, starts like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Rick's got it memorized. You guys take your cues from Rick. Except in how you give me a hard time. Yeah. Um, Reflecting on scripture and internalizing it and committing it to memory, it can make a real difference in your life. And one of the encouraging takeaways from my studies for this series over the last couple months is that dealing with most forms, most forms of fear and anxiety and worry, it's not rocket science. In the sense that rocket science, you got to get everything right. Because if you don't get everything right, what happens to the rocket? The rocket goes... That's what happens in rocket science if you don't get everything right all at once. When it comes to anxiety and fear and worry, it's more like physical health. Where physical health, you can get a little healthier by just doing one thing. You can get a little healthier. You don't have to get it all right all at once. You can get a little healthier by just doing one thing. In fact, we can put these up on the screen. Here's just a couple healthy habits. And if you were to get enough sleep or begin eating nutritious foods or drinking enough water or brushing and flossing your teeth or avoiding too much caffeine or alcohol 
or avoiding too much or too little sun or avoid smoking or doing exercise. If you did any one of these, would you be a little healthier? Yeah. You don't have to do them all at once. You don't have to do them perfectly, but just doing even one thing that's designed to help can help a little bit. May I present to you Learning how to, how to respond to worry and respond to anxiety and respond to fear is more like that than rocket science. It's complicated, all those kind of things, but it's more like that. There's a lot of things that we can do to have a little bit of a more peaceful tomorrow. Now, again, we don't have to get it all in place all at once. Focusing on even one thing at a time can help us experience a little less anxiety tomorrow. Well, Just to quickly review where we've been. In week one of this series, we saw we're not alone in this. We're not alone. 50 million Americans are going to experience a panic attack this year. 50 million. In week two, we saw evidence that science is catching up with Scripture. And we spent time reflecting on how we are fearfully and wonderfully made and how we're remarkably well-equipped for a world that is filled with real threats to our body, our mind, and our soul. And week three is when we began digging into Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And we started where Paul does with the word rejoice. We discovered that rejoicing is where you land when you follow your deepest longings home. And then last week, Pastor Jason began to lead us into one of the most high, or the most highlighted section of Kindle's most highlighted book. And we started pressing into that section. Last week, we focused on asking God for help. Asking God for help. And sometimes that takes the form of asking others for help, right? God works through professionals and counselors and therapists and friends. Well, today, we're going to come to a word that has proven to be more helpful than I ever imagined it would when it comes to feelings of fear and worry and anxiety. I want to encourage you to take out your notes. I want to encourage you to write this down. One of the keys to experiencing less stress is to give what? Thanks more often. Before that sounds just trite, I want to encourage you to keep an open mind. This can be a game changer. Giving thanks can be a game changer. Will Thanksgiving completely eliminate all anxiety from your life? No, of course not, right? But can it make a real difference? Yes, absolutely. If you're looking for something that you can apply today, this is one of those things. I want to show you something. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up. I got two of them up here I get to choose from here today. Uh, Philippians 4, if you want to take a look at Philippians 4, um, we're going to start with 5B. You're going to see a little 5B on the screen. If you're not familiar with Bible, what that usually means is B means like the second half of verse 5. If you see an A, it's usually like the first half. So as we're opening up here, I want to let you know that if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to give you one free today. We keep a stack there at that back table each and every week. We'd encourage you to take one, take one home if you don't have a Bible at home. All right, well, to, uh, here's, here's what it says. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5b through 6. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. With thanksgiving, let those requests be known to God. Today we're going to zero in on that word, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Pausing to give thanks throughout your day. 
has the same kind of impact on mental health that exercise has on physical health. And for the record, exercise can also have an impact on mental health. Can I get an amen to that? Right, that's another topic for another time. But just for the record, I want to put that out there. What we're going to do is spend a few minutes reflecting on the difference that regular thanksgiving can make in our lives, specifically when it comes to processing fear and worry and anxiety. Let's begin here. There's a place to write this in your notes. Giving thanks fuels faith in our prayers. Giving thanks fuels faith in our prayers. Paul invites us to, to give thanks as we pray. He says, when you're praying, while you're praying, as part of praying, give thanks. Let it, let you, when you pray, when you bring these requests, bring them with, along with, thanksgiving. Paul does not say, give thanks for the horrible thing that happened to you. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, give thanks for the scary situation you're in. What Paul does say is, when you cry out to God for help, when you cry out to God for guidance, when you cry out to God for protection or peace, remember, give thanks as you do. And I was thinking about how this all works. I was thinking about when I, when I have a very important email to send, what do I want to do? I want to make sure that it was received. I want to make sure that that important message that I was trying to get through, I want to make sure as best I can that the person I was sending it to actually got it. Thanksgiving helps with that when you pray. When we pause, when we sincerely reflect, when we thank God for his faithfulness in the past, it helps us to remember he's listening and he's there. It helps us remember the Lord is at hand, that we are not alone, that our prayers will be heard. Over the last several months, I've been drawn into an extremely complicated and messy situation. And it's really personal because it involves people that I love. And on Wednesday, I had an appointment with a lawyer to discuss some things that I've got no knowledge about regarding a situation that was quickly deteriorating during a season where I don't have any margins for this. Maybe you can relate to these types of things. So I'm pulling out of my driveway I'm on my way to go meet with this lawyer. And I, it was this week, this Wednesday, just a couple days ago. And I believe I heard the Holy Spirit whisper, give thanks. And I laughed out loud. And I didn't laugh out loud because of the irony that I was going to be speaking on this in just a couple days. I'll be just candid with you. I laughed out loud because I'm like, how in the world can I give thanks for this? You know? How, what, what thanks can I find in the midst of this? But I'm like, okay, either this works or it doesn't. And so I'm not going to get up here on Sunday and do something that doesn't work. So I, I, I normally, in situations like this, I normally will spend that commute praying for those kind of meetings. So I was doing that. But this time, I included Thanksgiving. I, I included Thanksgiving and I began to think sincerely what are things I can be thankful for right now in this situation? Because again, Paul did not say give thanks for the mess. He says the Lord is at hand. Be anxious about nothing with thanksgiving. Let your request be known. So I did. I started to do that. Prayed all the way to the meeting. And one of the many things is I was able to probe that I could give God thanks for was the fact 
that this meeting ended up being on my calendar at a date where I didn't want it to be. Because this meeting was with Steve. You know, and, and I meet with Steve not because he's a lawyer. I meet with Steve as often as, as, as we can because I love to spend time with Steve. You know, I, I, I love because we, we get the chance to talk about life and family and church and leadership. We get a lot of things that we, we share. We have a lot of common experience. And what had happened was because of my schedule, because of his schedule, because of travel, because of all these different things, we had to push our next get-together way, 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 way back. I don't know what, was four weeks or something? We had to push it way, way, way back to Wednesday. To Wednesday. And as I was praying and thinking on these things and giving thanks for that, here's why I was able to give him thanks. Because that exact date couldn't have been better. Because on Monday, I'm up till roughly midnight on a conference call with all these parties in this rapidly deteriorating situation. And then I was able to contact Steve the next morning and say, Steve, I'm going to need your legal professional help with this. Here's the situation. Can you help? That was Tuesday. On Wednesday, he was able to bring key information, facts that I would have never been able to gather on my own. And that was on Wednesday. And then with that faith-fueled hope and expectation that God could work something out of it because of his faithfulness in the past, I began to watch as God worked something out of that in the future. Because on Thursday, I was able to add those facts to the conversation with these other parties. And on Friday, we were able to make some really difficult decisions that helped to begin to de-escalate. All for something that I literally was laughing about. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for this. There were dozens of other things I was able to thank God for too. And each one of those, what it does is it fuels faith in your prayers. That in these situations, we're not alone. That the Lord is at hand. And he's at work. Even in painful and complex situations. Giving thanks brings God good, God's goodness and God's faithfulness front and center. When you pray, I want to invite you to try this to saturate your prayers with thanksgiving. When we saturate our prayers with thanksgiving, like I saturate my thanksgiving turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing with gravy. Anyone else saturate on thanksgiving? I saturate on thanksgiving, you know? When we do that, we remind ourselves God is at work. He's able to work also all things for good. I came across this quote as I'm preparing for the series. This guy says this. I don't even know if he's a believer or not, but he says, everyone goes through periods when we know that we need to change. Studies, however, tell us that simply knowing often isn't enough. Sometimes it takes something else. Exposure to the right idea, hearing stories that resonate with our own lives, a certain kind of encouragement that makes that final step feel within reach. May I present to you that Thanksgiving could be that thing for you that helps you realize that hope is within reach. All right, so giving thanks fuels faith in our prayers. It also does this. There's a place where I said this in your notes too. Giving thanks shapes our perspective. Giving thanks shapes our perspective. When I read this next quote that we're going to show you for the first time, I didn't really get it, but it seemed like it was probably profound. So I paused and reread it. You ever had that happen? You read something, you're like, that was probably profound. I don't really get it, but I'm going to read it back again because I think there was something to it. I put it in your notes. This is the quote that's at the top of your notes. I put it there so you could reflect on this one because I'm just going to read it fast. But there's a lot here. Thanksgiving 
is more than just a recognition of the fact that we receive everything from the hands of a loving God. It is the fundamental human and Christian state poised between God and creation. It simultaneously renounces idolatry, treating the created order as if it were self-divine, and the dualism which treats creation as shabby or bad. That is a rich, rich, rich quote. I want to encourage you to read it on your own slowly. There's a lot there. Paul was able to grasp this. And it was something that was integrated into his life. Thanksgiving wasn't just sprinkled here and there. This was a part of who that guy was. I went to BibleGateway.com. I did a keyword search on the word thanks. And I limited the search field to Paul's letters. Take a look at this list. This is a list of the letters of Paul that contain the word thanks or thanksgiving or thankful. Was giving thanks a part of this guy's life? Yes. This was not a one-off to these guys. This is something that was just woven into this man's life. This man that was able to experience peace and contentment in situations that would destroy most of us. Thanksgiving was part of his framework for processing reality. Giving thanks shapes our perspectives. When we give sincere thanks, it realigns our thoughts with the things that matter most. And that's so important. Because it's so easy to have something happen to us that we can start worrying and and fretting about and we lose perspective. I had one of those happen just a couple weeks ago. We had one of those happen just a couple weeks ago. It would have been really easy to just let this thing happen that could have just taken us down a really negative path. I was was doing something and I got five that I can't even remember what I was doing because the five words that I got in a text from Laura changed everything. Five words were, I was in an accident. And then came the two words that brought me peace. I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, when your car gets smashed up, there's a lot to be not thankful about, isn't there? There's a whole lot. And you could just go down that path right away, all the worry, all the anxiety, all the anger, all all this kind of stuff, right? About the situation. But I was thinking about this message, giving thanks. And we had a whole lot we could be thankful for. We were thankful that our family could afford a car in the first place. There's so many that can't, that we had insurance with a great agent and a great company that we trust. We were thankful for all those lessons we learned all those years. Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, have a financial cushion because stuff's going to happen, right? Have margin and most of all, thankful. Nobody was hurt. I didn't give thanks that our car got all smashed up. That's stupid. Why would you give thanks for that, right? <laughs> you know, what? No, the car getting smashed up, that's a... You wanted to. Okay, so Laura wanted to because it's a minivan, so it was all intentional on her part. She's a... There could be... I'll let you tell your story sometime, but my side of things... My side of things is, oh, we just don't need any more expenses right now, right? Except a new this or that. (laughs) So from my perspective, Paul doesn't ask me to give thanks for that. Well, here's something else that giving thanks does, and it's related to perspective, and I hope this can be received with the spirit from which I'm going to say it. Sincere thanks helps us become less cynical. And we need a world that's less cynical. Giving thanks helps us become less cynical. When you give thanks, I want to encourage you, be sincere. 
If you come away from today, oh, thanks, this doesn't work, it won't work. If you also just try to puff yourself up and, oh, I'm just going to be happy, cheery person and give thanks, that won't work. It must be sincere. Next week, we're going to press into telling yourself the truth. Jason's going to take us down there. You've got to tell yourself the truth. Sincere, truth-telling thanks will help you become less cynical. Keep digging until you can find something that you're truly thankful for. If not, this doesn't work. And if you do do this on a regular basis, it's going to do more than fuel faith in your prayers. It's going to help you become a less cynical person. And I can't begin to express the difference that that can make in your inner world and in your relationships. It affects both of those things. Let's start briefly with your inner world. Cynics don't default to hope and open-mindedness and positivity. Cynics default to doubt and close-mindedness and negativity. And that will have a huge impact on your ability to respond to worry and anxiety and anxious thoughts. Most of the people that I reached out to during this series, they've shared from their personal experience. And almost all of them have talked about pathways, pathways, neurological pathways, and how easy it is to to develop these neurological pathways that just take you to negative places and to reinforce those over and over and over again. When we focus on negative thoughts, those neural pathways become like a water slide. How many of you have ever been on a water slide? It's like a water slide. On a water slide, the steeper it is, and the more water you have on it, the quicker you're going to go down that thing. And when you think a thought, a positive or a negative thought, over and over and over again, it will make that angle steeper. It will make that current stronger. You just will naturally go down that path. If you find yourself immediately going to the fear, immediately going to the negative, Thanksgiving is one of those things that can help you build a new pathway to a healthier place. And it's even better than that because practicing Thanksgiving, it affects your relationship with others. We're going to go into this more depth. I made a note to self. We're going to press into the book of Acts this fall in our next series. And we need to go there. We need to go to the cynicism piece because nothing destroys, almost nothing destroys community like cynicism, negativity, those types of things. Almost nothing does. So we have to go there. But right now, related to this, I want to show you something it says in Philippians because that is the book we're at. This book where it says so much about anxiety and it says about these things. It mentions this. Here's where it mentions it. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Now, this isn't the only place you find words like these in scriptures. In fact, one of the reasons I want to encourage you to have a a, a tool like this, a, a study Bible, is you can go and you can look at the footnotes underneath it. And when I took this passage and I'm like, man, this actually doesn't kind of sound exactly like Paul's words. I looked at the footnote and it doesn't sound like Paul's words because he's quoting the Old Testament. What he's talking about here is not something that was specific to these people. This is something that is specific to humanity. We tend to go to the negative place. We tend to go to the grumbling place. We tend to go to the complaining place really, really easy. Look what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 5. They have dealt 
corruptly with God. They are no longer his children because they are blemished. They are a crooked and twisted generation. Do those words sound familiar? There was nothing new here when Paul was talking to the church in Philippi. This is something that happens. And what makes it remarkable that we're seeing this at Deuteronomy is these are people who had just been delivered from slavery. These are people whose ancestors had been in slavery for 400 years. And they come out and they grumble and they complain and they can see all of the negative things which were there. If we were in their position, we would have been fearful too. We would have been anxious too. We would have been looking for more security too. But instead of having those thoughts with thanksgiving as they brought the request to a God who had delivered them, they kept defaulting just to the negative. And it had huge implications on their relationships with one another and with God. Choosing to saturate our prayers with thanksgiving can help us become more and more like Paul, who was able to say things like this, Philippians 2.17. He said, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I'll rejoice with you all. Was Paul rejoicing because he might be poured out as a drink offering? No. What are the first two words of his words? It is, they are, what is it? Even if. Thanksgiving is one of those things that can bring you to the even if place. Even if it is worst case scenario by human standards. I'm not operating slowly by human standards. There is a God who has proven himself faithful in the past. The Lord is still at hand. Even if it looks like all is lost. Amen. Paul was able to develop an even if water slide. I got to trademark that one right there. And in doing so, he was following in the footsteps of Jesus. Last week, we celebrated Holy Communion. When we prepare ourselves for Holy Communion, we are very intentional about what we do. We usually read these words from another of Paul's letter. This is from 1 Corinthians 11.23. The Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he did what? Gave thanks. Was Jesus giving thanks? I'm about to be betrayed, for which I thank you, Father. I'm, a, I'm about to be brutally executed. Was he giving thanks for that? No. He was giving thanks for his father's provision through it all. Catholics call the communion, call communion what? The Eucharist, which comes from the Greek word, which means to give thanks. To give thanks. Jesus lived a life that billions want to model their lives after. And when Jesus prayed, he gave thanks. Sincere thanksgiving is a game changer. Science is catching up with scripture. 2,000 years later, Paul made a connection. Or Paul, 2,000 years ago, Paul had made the connection between giving thanks and experiencing more peace. Even in the midst of threats to body, mind, and soul. Just listen really quickly. Here are some of the things that people are saying today 
2,000 years later. Here are some of the connections. Some of what the studies are showing are linked to peace, linked to thanksgiving. Gratitude is mindful awareness. It is the greatest of virtues. Studies have linked thankfulness with a variety of positive effects. Grateful people tend to be more empathetic and forgiving of others. How many of you want to be around people that are more empathetic and forgiving? Right? We all do, don't we? People who keep a gratitude journal, I guess that's a thing, are more likely to have a positive outlook on life. Grateful individuals, they demonstrate less envy, less materialism, less less self-centeredness. Gratitude improves self-esteem and enhances relationships. Quality of sleep and longevity. If it came in pill form, gratitude would be deemed the miracle cure. Would any of you like to experience any more of those things? Then here's your invitation. There's a place to write this. One last talk point in your notes. Paul invites us to redirect our anxious thoughts by demanding more from them. Instead of just allowing them to rule. Instead of allowing them to get the final word. Instead of allowing fear and anxiety and worry to say, this is how I'm going to define your reality for you. I want to encourage you to demand more. God's given you the faculties to be able to do so. We're going to experience anxious thoughts and feelings when they come. Let's not issue them a contract to build a water slide. Let's instead, with thanksgiving, cry out to God. With thanksgiving, ask for help for, uh, from others. And as we do, we begin to get more hope that those prayers could be answered. One of my sources said this, said, call fear's bluff by demanding more. Ride up and over that wave of adrenaline. Imagine a community where we were all demanding more of ourselves in healthy, God-honoring ways, like saturating our prayers with thanksgiving. Paul spells out what would happen. When I gave you the, um, the verse earlier about the grumbling and complaining, I didn't give you all of it. Look what's at the very end of it. What are we going to do if we don't fall into that water slide? Look at this. We're going to shine as lights in this world. If this, not if, as we become an increasingly grateful, thankful group, we're going to shine in this world that is so filled with cynicism and hopelessness, fear, and anxiety. If you want to experience more peace in your personal life, if you want to help us shine as lights, I want to encourage you to try something that helped me two years ago when I was a really tough season. I want to encourage you to help me with something that helped, or I want to encourage you to try something that helped me just a couple weeks ago when our car got all smashed up, our minivan that you never want to see again in the rest of your life. (laughs) You know, anyway. And something that even helped me this week as I went into a situation that just looked absolutely impossible. And that brings us back to the card. The card just says this. It says, Thanksgiving, exclamation point, at least 10 things. And I forced myself each morning in the midst of one of the worst seasons ever, every morning, what are 10 things I'm thankful for and no repeats. And every night, What are 10 things I'm thankful for? No repeats. You can do that about a day and a half. 
And if you're going to be sincere and not trivial, it's hard. But let me tell you, that's where the bedrock gets hit. When you start going, whoa, there are so many things all around me every day that I'm not consciously aware that I have reason to be thankful for. I want to invite the worship band to come up as we pray. I encourage you to do this this week, each morning, each night. Let's pray.